Did You Have To is a proud member of the Bawaii podcast community. Welcome back to Did You Have To, the podcast where two bad bitches talk about anime. And here are your hosts, Kate and Nisha. Yeah! Nisha's quirk, stress ball. By internalizing her stress about the world being in chaos and crime, she converts that stress into a superpower, becoming a badass. Kate's quirk, waifu warrior. By just watching her favorite shows, she can manifest real or fictional characters into the real thing. They come to life and fight by her side. Not every character does it, though. She has to find the individual really hot. Yeah! Hey everyone, welcome back to Did You Have To? And we're going to get really sad today and talk about Japan Sinks. <laughs> I'm Kate. And I'm Nisha. And I'm also depressed. Yup. <laughs> oh. I have not felt this depressed about anime since, which ironically, Devilman Crybaby, in the same studio that did Devilman Crybaby, did Japan Sinks. So it all makes sense. They're here to hurt us. That's all it is. I just, good God. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about you, but I made the terrible mistake of watching it all in one night. Uh, Yeah, I didn't do that. I went ahead and let myself uh, breathe a little bit. (laughs) Because that, so Japan Sinks 2020 does not let you breathe at all. Um, But before we get into the depression, maybe we should do a little bit of a today and weed. Yeah, let's do that. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any happy today and weed news that we can like? I don't know, alleviate some of the depression we're going to get into with this episode. Um, So I don't have too much news news other than that I am genuinely just excited that it looks like a lot more uh, Shonen Jump titles are getting anime adaptation. So uh, I know people listening probably know that Jujutsu Kaisen Kaisen is getting their anime adaptation, but I just found out the act age. And this is (gasps) old news. But, like, it's That's right. Act Age is getting an anime adaptation, which I'm really excited for because I really, really, really like Act Age. It's, it's really good. It's a very different kind of shonen than what you would mm-hmm. typically think would come from the SJ label, but I'm really excited for it. Um, and I think there have been rumors that Chainsaw Man is also going to be making it up there because apparently people are in love with that one. But okay. we'll see. I don't think I've heard of that one, but I'm intrigued immediately. Yeah. So that that's one of the things that I'm really happy about because I think one of the things that I've been kind of figuring out is like where we're going to land with the next era. No, I don't want to say next era, but like continuing the Shonen Jump like anime right. just because demon slayer is gonna be ending um uh, yep. my we don't know what's happening with my hero but my hero is already solidified itself in the fields um I, I mean i'm personally interested in seeing new ips coming out not new ips but just like stuff outside of shonen jump getting more traction on places like country with their whole webtoon stuff as well as um netflix's anime so i'll be really interested to see what the landscape of anime looks like now because it does seem like it's moot because for a really long time shonen jump adaptations were 
kind of just the only type of anime that the West really got. And so now right. with all of these other brands uh, contributing to it, I'm, I'm really excited to see where that goes. So it's less a news portion of Today and Weave and more of a like, I've just been thinking a lot about all the new titles that can and would be coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can say at <clears throat> least from what we've been watching on, uh, from Crunchyroll's work with uh, Webtoon, I'm fucking excited for any oh, yeah. webtoon stuff coming out anywhere because uh god of tower of god and god of high school yeah, I know. <laughs> have been phenomenal um yeah they're so good and yeah like and we get like since crunchyroll made that exclusive deal with webtoons um there's only so much there's so much more coming which love shonen jump raised on it because you know Dragon Ball and all other, like you said, we are children of the 90s and Toonami and that's the stuff we were given and had access to. But it's exciting to see like a lot of original stories from Crunchyroll. I mean, from Webtoons getting anime on Crunchyroll. And I think that's awesome because I talk about it all the time. I love Webtoons. And I'm very, one I'm really excited about, which it's not news news, but it's like Laura Olympus is going to be an, they keep going back saying it's going to be adult animated anime like animation and anime so I'm just like I'll carry the way I get to see my webtoons <laughs> and I get to see them as sexy hot gods <laughs> so, and that's all that matters that's all that matters and then Kate will learn why we love Hades and like he's our big blue daddy <laughs> 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 but uh, I guess for my today that's not my today and weep but my today and weep is that at Gretzko season three is yes! coming back yes so hyped. August 27th, our little angry rage baby girl is back. I and love her so much and I can't wait. I just I just feel so seen when I see her rage out and just be oh, like yeah. all the little aggressions from work. And I'm like, this is cathartic. Watching Retsko is so cathartic and nice. It really, really is. Um, I think the other, the another today and weeb which is less a today and weeb, more of a like, why have I not known that Itsuko was a dope like anime streetwear brand that like I had no idea existed. But I guess the the, the actual news there is, Nisha, how much money have you spent on their brand new Berserk line? I'm really <laughs> trying to not spend anything, but I did go ahead and like drop $80. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to do better, I swear, but like fall's coming and don't y'all want me to be happy in my long sleeve crew neck of guts? <laughs> I want, I want those joggers, if I'm honest. Right? Oh those, my God, those joggers. Those nice. Those joggers with like a bunch of my Adidas shoes. I can, I, I can get so much traction out of these clothes because where are we going? Nowhere. But we want to look nice around the house. Mm-hmm. I mean, I bought the Godzilla and Megan the Stallion hoodies so I can wear at home when mm-hmm. we don't turn on the heat because we're in Texas and there's no point. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. But no, I like. I feel like you, you. I think I've vaguely been aware of Atsuko, but like, I did not know about the Berserk line, and now I have problems. Not good problems, but they have so many great lines, and like I love st- anime streetwear. Yeah, 
And I think like the, the one, not that I had, I, cause I found it out because somebody on Twitter told me and I did a toss up as to who, and I'm forgetting who, but I got, I got added in a few of their stuff and I was like, Oh yo, this is so good. Cause they have an entire, uh, they have a joint, um, I guess, collaboration with Funimation. So they have like really cool Yu Yu show stuff. And then they have so much MHA stuff. And yep. I, uh, yeah, I did a poll to see if I should buy one of the, my, one of the Bakugo uh, long sleeves. So Ooh. I'm going to be getting one of those because they have, yeah. I have the My Hero X Sanrio a long sleeve top that has Bakugo and Baditz Maru on the back, but they have one that has them on the front. So <laughs> different. It's different. I, <laughs> I get it. And they're fire. See, we could talk about them all day. Like they got a fire force line and mm-hmm. like, oh, uh, I just, I'm just going to keep putting like maybe $20 a week away a month for the next three months. And then I'll go like have a nice shopping spree on their website so that yeah. I can get everything I want in one bulk order so I can chill out. <laughs> I have at least, um, <laughs> I've at least gotten to the point where Matt just accepts that I'm going to buy stuff, which is great because he's like, yeah, we're not spending anything on else. Fine. We have extra. Go buy yourself some anime husbands because I did get my more, my Roy Mustang statue finally. Um, but I can't push it by buying an $80 bomber jacket with Bakugo on the back of it. <laughs> Listen. I think I'm gonna go ahead and do it. I think I'm gonna go ahead and buy one, that All Might bomber jacket. Oh, that one's yeah. I'm 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 tempted. You know, I've seen some Fire Force ones. I think I need, I'm due for an anime bomber jacket. I might treat myself. But again, I'll buy that in my anime streetwear shopping spree. Oh, just oh. we need to become ambassadors. Somebody hit us up. I know. If you're you're listening to this episode, if you're listening to this episode right now, you should tweet at Atsuko and tell them that they should sponsor me and Nisha on Did You Have To? Because we will spend money on them and we will convince everybody else to. Because this this is real good. Like that line is just real good. Like, I I don't know. It's affordable. Like, and no no shade, but shade the coach. It's like, like ex Naruto whatever that was, but like, that's my biggest pet Michael B. About. Jordan showing that he only cared about celebrities buying that. Pretty much. Like, I love Michael B. Jordan, but I was like, bruh, this Naruto shirt is the same shirt I could get from like a bunch of streetwear. What is so special about this anime shirt except for Michael B. Jordan is promoting it, which I get it. Michael B. Jordan streetwear. made a line that only him and John Boyega could afford, and I feel like that was targeted just so they could be, be like the top anime or weebs. Right. But it's like Megan the Stallion put out hers and I'm like, I'll spend money on this. Affordable. Not a three hundred dollar hoodie. Not a three dollar bag. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, uh, but but enough of deflecting and talking about something that makes us happy. We tried. We really were <laughs> probably would have gone we really would have kept on talking about Zuko. We we actually episode. should probably do a streetwear episode. That would be really cool. I would like that. You know what? I'm going to write it down. Because we kind of did, we kind of hit on streetwear and anime, anime's influence in streetwear when we had our Megan the Stallion episode. So yeah. like, I like the idea of getting this, expand that a bit more. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, that'll be coming to y'all, you know, sometime in the future. <laughs> um, but Put okay, it into the idea bin. Yep, <laughs> the idea bin. 
<laughs> oh, but we cannot put this off any longer. Let's get into Japan Sinks and I will oh, read specifically the- Japan Sinks 2020. Yes, 2020. Um, shortly after the Tokyo Olympics in 2020, a major earthquake hits Japan. Amidst the chaos, siblings Ayumi, Ayumu, and Go of the Muto household begin to escape the city with their family of four. The seeking Japanese archipelago. Thank you, archipelago. <laughs> However, relentlessly pursues the family. Plunged into extreme conditions, life and death, and the choice of meeting and parting in the face of dreadful reality, the Muto siblings believe in the future and acquire the strength to survive with utmost effort. That sounds a lot more positive. Yep. Than what you actually experienced. Because, like, that's an accurate summary, but at the same time, there's when they say like life and death, they do mean life and death. Yeah, and which we should put a so we should put a giant, like big giant blinking letters. This is a as Ooh. always, this is a spoiler cast, but I would say for Japan Sinks 2020 specifically, yep. any of the things we are about to talk about will spoil this for you. Mm-hmm. And that's because the deaths have so much emotional impact and come out of like nowhere. Yup. Uh, so, Nisha, would you recommend that they watch this anime? I would. I would say don't watch okay. it all in one go. With, <laughs> pace like, yourself. Like I did. Pace yourself. I watched it literally by myself in like my new condo, which is probably the worst idea to watch this alone. So watch with friends um, <laughs> or pace yourself. Um, because I think I was just like messaging you and saying like, Kate, I got to this episode and then, oh my God, this happened. So pace yourselves is what I'm saying, but watch it. It's, I think it's very good. And this also has a, I think you should watch it from me as well for Mm -hmm. all the things Nisha just said. So I won't repeat it. So if you plan on watching Japan Sinks and, or Japan Sinks 2020 and taking our word for it, pause this episode, go watch it and then come back. That's your warning. Um, Or spoil yourself, but seriously, like this, I I don't think that I've watched anything recently that has gotten me that bad with the deaths. Yeah, I would say the same. And like I mentioned earlier, like the only enemy that's hit me this hard, I mean, the top three enemy that have hit me like so emotionally, Berserk. And then you have um, Devil Man Crybaby. Grave of the Fireflies, in this one. I, this is yeah. now added to my list of, like, some of the anime that have literally made me cry or, like, at least feel a lot of sadness or different emotions, and this one wins. Um, as we mentioned, the same people who created, who did, who animated Devil May Cry Baby um, did this anime. It's from Science Saru. That is the anime house that did it. And yeah, it's also directed by Masaki Yausa. And who also also did did Devil Man Cry Baby. (laughs) So like if you've seen Devil Man Cry Baby, you know, bless your heart that you and I mean that in a good way, not in the southern way. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but like seriously, if you made it through Devil Man Cry Baby, I think you can make it through this. But I will say I think this one hits harder than Devil Man Cry Baby. I think it does too. Yeah, 
I completely agree. Um, and I will say it's funny because if you look at Science Saru's like catalog of what they do, they have like Devil Man Cry Baby, a whole bunch of Shin Chan, and then like Japan <laughs> Sings 2020. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's hold on for a second. Y'all just like, I'm a wreck you. Here's some funny Shin Chan. I'm a wreck you again. <laughs> like, you that, gotta have is a palate cleanser. Do? <laughs> you gotta have a palate cleanser, and their palate cleanser is Shin Chan, apparently. <laughs> apparently. Oh, um, that's so funny. I did not know that. Yep. Yep. I oh. looked up their stuff. It is, it is in fact, a lot of Shin, Shin Chan, including movies to buffer when they're, you know, creating soul-destructing anime. Yep. Um, or adapting and or reviving, because Devilman Crybaby in 2018 was right. a reboot of the original one from the 90s, and mm-hmm. Japan Sinks 20 20 is an adaptation of a science fiction book so that's also kind of cool when you look at that in 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 the perspective but i completely agree like i i think devil man crybaby is up there in anime that have like just completely fucked me up like from start to finish mm-hmm. and but it is for very very different reasons like i mm-hmm. part of it like i would say like devil man crybaby's weight is like half emotional half shock like this is just utterly violent oh my god what am I watching and then the other half is like oh my god I am so sorry for this character whereas Japan sinks 2020 is half oh my god I am so sorry for this character and half oh my god what would I do if that happened to me and that was somebody I had to watch like I it it was, I think it's because even though Japan Sinks 2020 is, it, it, it's sci-fi in a sense, uh-huh. um, but it's very, it, it's grounded in that disaster subgenre. And there's something about that, especially when we live in a world that is on fire <clears throat> right now, that yeah. it just somehow hits real hard of like, okay, what would I do if I was escaping with my family? Um, right. Because- in a lot of disasters, I watch a lot of disaster movies mainly because it's my husband's favorite genre. Like he likes watching bad disaster movies. And so I'm, I'm kind of used to it, but watching this one, it was, there's always at least certain characters that are protected from death in disaster movies or like your entire crew will survive and one person will die at the end here. Mm -hmm. Like everything goes wrong. Like everything from the jump, everything's going wrong. Which, I think, at least it tells you what kind of anime it's going to be. Yeah. Because, I guess, I think it's so, it's, it's because of how the story starts off, is the family, they're separated when it starts. Like, the mom's on an airplane coming back into town. The kids are, the daughter's at, like, a track and field practice. Her brother's at home, and the dad's at work. So, like, literally, the worst situation as a family, when you think of, like, when a disaster hits. And your first thoughts are like, we all need, I need to find my family. I need to regroup. And I think, and I couldn't help think, but like, what if it was my family? Like, I'd be having to lie to my family about like what time to be to place. So we don't, we're not, so we're on time. Like, I want to make sure we get our reservations. But it's like, if my mom doesn't pick, I've had situations where like, if my mom doesn't pick up her phone and like, if I call her, I'm like, I'm leaving for 10 minutes. I'm going to call her back. And she doesn't pick up her phone again. And then she doesn't answer my text. I'm like, are you dead? Because I just... It's that panic of like not knowing where people are, but like in this situation, it's like they can't get in touch with each other. The brother, like, 
gets like cut on the eye or like on the top of his head and like gets hurt in the earthquake. Cause oh, to set it up, the the show it starts off with an earthquake. So you see each character is like at, at in their own settings. Mm-hmm. And it's like that was an interesting thing I learned though. I didn't know an airplane would be affected by an, by an earthquake, but learned that. Um and like with the mom and her airplane. So it's like you that's how we're introduced to all the characters. I will say, like, the reason why I say I know this anime tells you what it is from the jump, literally seven minutes in, and the daughter and the daughter's entire track team dies. And she yep. is like, and I don't blame her. Like her body goes into survival mode. She has to escape. And like, what does a teenage girl who just witnessed like is knocked out and wakes up to see her entire team like basically killed not killed die because of like they were underground in a locker room i think yeah um so it's it's they essentially get like crushed as things fall like whether it was the lockers or like the rubble mm -hmm. like it's and the thing is too you're right because that scene not only does it set up of like okay they just killed an entire group of teenage girls it's also the fact that the moment where Ayuma, is it Yuma or Ayumo? Ayumu. Ayumo, Ayumu. Ayumu, okay. You at the end, yeah. Oh, that's right, okay. Um, when Ayumu has her moment of like, I have to take off, mm-hmm. she watches one of her teammates like writhing in pain with right. like blood and it's one of those things where you just very quickly realize that like oh this is gonna go there and mm-hmm. then I would say the next the next part that goes there is the dad because we <gasps> have this beautiful reunion and they essentially the first episode is really them getting together and mm. like finding out. And then I think the second one is where they take off and they're right. walking down the street and they're, you know, just, you know, surviving. And they have like this little mm. montage where they're having fun and stuff is close to where it was. Cause their dad is like uber prepared for this. He's catching and killing boar. Yep. He's providing for them. You're like, Oh yo, this is, he's going to be, it's they got both parents. They got both parents. It's but crazy. in typical anime fashion, you can't keep both your parents for long. Nope. And uh, Ayumu, who I actually hate as a character, yeah, so much, yeah, uh, decides that she wants yams. So she doesn't want to eat and a pig that she saw slaughtered. Which no offense, but also offense is like, bitch. The world is crumbling and on fire. Yeah. You eat she, what's in front of you. Mm-hmm. She was being a picky eater and her dad being a great dad and having usually picked up, picked Japanese yams were like, okay, well, I'll, I think it was yams. I think it's, it's, it's it was yams, yams, right? It's yeah. yams, yeah. Because even they come to the fence and it says like, he sees the vine and he's like, oh yeah, he's like, this like, is the yams. Mm-hmm. And they get excited because they love their dad's yam curry. Mm -hmm. And, uh, of course, nobody pays attention to any of the signs that are there. And they're mostly covered up by vines. And the dad goes and he's digging and he's yelling back, telling her how good the yams look. And then Yumu sees a sign that she uncovers and it says no digging for yams because there are landmines. 
Yes. Yep. And it's like, as soon as she sees it, turns her head. And it is by sheer luck, her brother did not die Mm -hmm. because his mom called, said she needed, she needed help. And the dad sends him off to the dad and like to the mom. And like, it's within that, like the next few minutes that they all hear an explosion. And then studio science Faru decides we get to see a dismembered hand fly through the air. And fall on top of the food preparation. Yup. With the ring. I just, I don't know. I just know I tweeted out and I like, I decided just to tweet out the first few episodes and I was just like, well, I thought episode one was bad. Not bad in a like, you know, bad, this is a bad show, but like, as in like, ooh, no. I was like, wow, episode two, this is how y'all really gonna take us here. And they did. So at that point, I decided to reside in the fact that no one is safe at any time in this series. And like, from that point on, Ayuma just gets worse as far, like, and I She's say worse a fucking as brat. A brat. A like, little brat. I hated her so much. And I'm not saying, I'm like, I know this is because of like, I say this is good writing that I did not like her so much because she's a spoiled teenage girl. But at the same time, like the whole arguing with her mom, like not understand, like the mom literally just saw her husband's hand fly off into the air and she, and her, she knows her husband is, de- is dead but she knows she has to keep moving forward and she is trying to keep the group to keep moving forward. And Ayamu decides that she's going to have a temper tantrum. Like you don't care that he is dead. Bitch. What? Yeah. It's her husband. We all can't crumble and like be depressed and stay here where Mm -hmm. it's not safe and decide to have a breakdown right now. Like, yep. you can have your breakdown, but you got to get up and keep moving. It's not because the mom doesn't care. It is literally because the mom, which, oh, we could save the twist for last about the mom, yeah. which I just. I love her so much. I love Miro. Miro is probably, like, one of the, I love her because she reminds me of my mom. Yes. Like, she's very, she's very caring and she's very loving, but at the same time, she's going to push you. And, and she pushes, like, you don't really get to see her cry. And it no. goes to Yumu's point where, like, Yumu's like, you just don't care. And this is the first time that she, like, this is the first time she brings it up, but she also brings it up later on in, in the series as well, where she like gets mad at her mom saying like, oh, yeah. well, you just want to get over dad. That's why you don't want to like go to talk a medium to talk to him or you, right. you don't ever. And it's this larger thing where it's just like, no, she's a mom. And in order to protect you, she doesn't get to feel pain right now. Mm-hmm. She doesn't get to feel sad. She doesn't get to grieve because if she stops and does that, who is going to take care of you? Right. She doesn't shut down, which mm-hmm. like, I, I applaud her as an anime mom because yeah. like there's not many anime moms like there's some great anime anime moms you know there ain't but that many. like there ain't that many exactly they <laughs> usually die. um huh, which fits the brand um she is a great anime mom because like she doesn't get to grieve in the way that like in front of her children she doesn't get to yeah. shut down where it's like I think we've seen enough anime where we see a mom who is in grief or who is like going through pain and they take that out on the child yeah. and the child suffers from the mom's grief yep. and pain. And that's not fair. And 
I mean, everyone deals with grief differently, but like hers, I think she's truly not, she denies herself that time to grieve for such a long time in this series that it's just like, wow, she's a very strong-willed character, but it's not because, it's not like she's one-dimensional and just a strong female character. It's because she has to keep moving if she, if they want to live. She has a reason to be, and they show Mm -hmm. you that not just when they do, when she has like this come to Jesus moment with the Yumu, but like uh, later on in the series, but they show it like in all of her actions. Like it's always her daughter's first and, or her kids first. Yes. Um, And I mean, from there, I mean, everything, I mean, like, they do fairly well without the dad for a little bit, but then Ayumu throws another fucking tantrum. Yeah. Like, I, I, like, it just pisses me off that, like, halfway through the series, Ayumu decides that, like, she doesn't like the fact that her sister's giving attention to this, I forget, I forget his name. What's the glasses guy? Haru. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know who, is that their sister? I was confused. Yeah, Namani was her sister, I thought. Oh, I didn't know. Is she? I thought they were just like a neighbor. Oh, she may not be. The subtitles called her sis. Like, you know, I I thought that was just like an honorary thing. Like Uh, big sister Nanami. Oh, yeah. Okay, never mind. Yeah, that's probably what it is. Yeah. Um, But she gets, either way, she gets jealous that Nanami is showing attention to Haru. And it's just frustrating because then she just like sits on the floor and is like Namani I have to use the restroom come with me and then Namani dies like homegirl's like straight up walking and just fucking collapses and you learn that there's fucking like the the because there's like it wasn't just one earthquake like Japan is suffering a series of earthquakes because essentially literally as the title says japan is sinking um yeah. like it has something to do like they they actually do a really good op- job of explaining it but i was too traumatized by all the death to pay attention to Ooh. the science behind why japan because is the actual science behind it would actually i think traumatize me more of like That's the fair. idea of like oh god like mass sinking yeah like the idea of it actually sinking like oh god okay yeah. Ooh. but yeah, that scene because all you hear is a thud mm-hmm. and she's dead, and it's like, and they keep showing her fucking body. They, they just do. keep showing her, and it's because it's it's like it's just toxic gases. Like I can't remember what it's called, but like this is actually it's an actual thing because there's places like in mountains where like if mm-hmm. you hike, and this is a thing. Like I learned this from Doctor Stone. Shout out to the manga from <laughs> from Viz Media, um, but like there's this thing in certain environments in mountains and like there's signs when you go hiking in Japan where like you should not bend over to tie your shoes like make sure your shoes are tied well because there are certain areas where these there are these noxious gases that are just like at below your knees so usually you know like not that high up yeah but like children could probably breathe them in but like the second you bend over and you take in one deep breath you die so it's like and you don't you don't smell the gas. It's like, it, it is like, a, it does not have a smell. So like they literally were walking down to go behind a bush. And because the Nami was leading the way, she just drops first. And it's because she's the one that's lower. And it is only because then we meet Kite. And Kite comes in and he's like, don't, better not go down there. <laughs> that's why she's dead. Yep. You're lucky. What yep. you saying? It's so Which, bad. 
so bad. Which, what are your thoughts on Kite? I love Kite. Kite was my favorite fucking character. (laughs) I want to marry Kite. Kite did not have to do nearly any of the things that he did. I was very sad and then very happy at the end. Um, Kite is just great. I just Kite is great. I love Kite. Um, And I mean, like, Kite is that character, just like in Devil Man Cry Baby, where I was like, this could go one of two ways. Because he's a YouTuber. He's literally just a YouTuber. (laughs) He is just a YouTuber. It's like, are you supposed to be like, you know, what's one of the famous YouTubers? Like, Logan Paul or Jake Ugh. Paul. Don't don't which put I was that like, on him. Don't I'm not put that, put on, that on him. No, but when they kept on talking about like, he's just a YouTuber, I'm like, oh don't let him don't let that be his character. But yeah. then you learn that's not his character and that's great. Which yes. oh, okay, I have to ask this question because I still don't understand with the end with the ending. Is Kai non-binary? Because there's like a scene at the end where there's a girl, long hair, wearing a skirt, looks like a younger kite. Oh no, I think he's trans. Okay, trans. Okay. I, I wasn't he's sure. Trans. Okay. I don't know, I, but I think he's trans. Okay. Because his pronouns thing. throughout the entire thing is he. Right. So so it's trans. So my bad. Not non not non-binary. But that was my whole thing of just like, was that their child or was this a flashback? And then I realized so the flashback. that was the first thing that I thought. I was like, oh shit, did Kite and you know, yeah, you. And Yubu, who I hate, like, God, I, I was not. like, oh. um, but yeah, no, I think, I, I, I think, so there are two things, right? So the first is that he is trans, right. and the second is that that's just how they drew a younger male character which happens mm-hmm. and maybe it's because i've been reading too much yaoi but like right. that half like uh, some of like one of the tropes in anime is having like younger boys like be mistaken for girls right um that's how you get the whole like and i fell in love with my best friend uh <laughs> but he's not a girl type right. things in yaoi but and so i don't want to like attribute that here um right. but i like looking at his bio on the wiki and stuff it doesn't seem like there's there's no confirmation either way but right he, he it's is just a the, yeah it's just like the the child literally just like has this moment like realization on their face they're flying a kite with like kite's logo on it yeah and like I, which i think like is probably where he got the name kite and then they kick off the skirt they're wearing. And I was just like, oh. Oh, that's okay. probably, yeah. So I think that may be what it is then. Mm-hmm. Because he's he's only 18 um, and everything describes him as male. So I'm looking at all the wiki. Right. Um, his pronouns in it were male. Um, mm-hmm. So I, that that's probably what it is. I, I, they probably just didn't go in depth. But he, I, I would think no. that he, he's, a, he's a, trans, a trans man. Right. And that's Which is like really cool. Thing. And I'm I like happy cool. you brought that up because I didn't catch that. I literally was like, I rewound it. I'm like, is that Kite's child or is that a flashback of Kite? And I realized it's a flashback because we see flashbacks of Ayumu and her brother. And I'm like, ah, okay, that's cool. And I like how they don't have to do this big, you know, like, I don't know, this big moment. It's just like, okay, yeah, he's trans. Accepted. He's trans. Oh, you found it? Yeah, he's trans. Yeah, oh. I looked it up. There is an entire article um, that says uh, that essentially says many are looking at Kite as a transgender icon. Oh, nice. But yeah, we love Kite. Kite is awesome. Um, the 
Again, I want to marry him. I love him so much. He is the character that I cared about. We're so out of anybody. Yeah, him and Mari, right up there. The mom, Mari, them, up there for me. Best characters. Mm -hmm. And the dad. The children, we will get into them later. I hate them so much. I I hate them so much. I just really do. And it's, yeah. But anyways, let's continue. Uh, but yeah, so Kite comes along and then like, we could, we're not going to like do a recap of every episode, but just like, you know, the major parts that hit and it's like, then they meet the old man at the store and there, there's this whole moment with him, with the old guy and the, and the son who's like, the son, I liked how the son was kind of processing through everything. Um, the, the son was way more mature with processing his grief than yes. Yumu was. Yes. Uh, Yumu, I just don't think... She wanted she wanted everyone to process things the same the same way that she was, which I will give her this. I understand she's dealing with a lot of survivors' guilt. Um, first her team, then her dad, and she blames herself for her dad's death, but then she's lashing out and taking that out on other people, which is not fair to the other people that are trying to keep you alive and survive too in a disaster. But yeah, and then there's the stuff with like the cult and the cult stuff like, was weird. <laughs> the cult stuff was so weird. And I was just waiting for there to be like a punch bowl situation or something. But it's more like they just do this whole thing where they've made a child a god. And like the child is, the woman is the medium or whatever. And they have the ability to talk to the people who are dead. So, you know, there's some shifty things going on. There's a whole bunch of money. There's a, like, there's crookedness. I do. I did think that, like, this is a weird plot point for us to focus on. But sure, yeah, there's corruption during a disaster. Who's shocked about that? Um, and the cult's main, like, income, I guess, is weed. Um, which I just, I'm just like, no wonder that one dude was so happy. Daniel, that guy. I yep. Guess. He just, the white boy? Just, yeah, the white boy, whatever wherever he was from. He just seemed too happy for me. I'm like, what Which is Which actually, we should talk a little bit about the fact that not everybody is Japanese in yes. this past. Yes, um, we should. It's, it's really interesting because Japan Sings 2020, it has this ultimate, like its ultimate theme is the ability of being able to, it uses the idea of like, Japan is like the land of the rising sun. Ah, damn. Mm-hmm. You're good. I don't know if you want to mark down or to cut that out. Yeah, I'm gonna. Um, where Japan is 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 the is the land of the rising sun, and even though it sets when it sinks, it's gonna come back up because that's what happens after a sunset. And it's mm-hmm. it's a really powerful story of perseverance and moving through all of the scariness and the trauma and coming out the other end and each character does it in very different ways and each character Mm. remembers that trauma in different ways. But I think one of the larger elements too is that it has this really powerful narrative that you can map on to Japan specifically. And I think because of Japan's own history with earthquakes and the tsunami, it, it, it rings really powerful. But the other thing that it does is it really identifies and critiques the hyper-nationalism that happens in Japan Mm -hmm. um, with pure-blood Japanese. And it's one of those things that you get to investigate because the main family is a mixed family. Um, The mom is Filipina. And then even Kite is Estonian. He's not Japanese. And then they pick up this other foreign dude. Uh, Well, he's not American. He's uh, he's English, right? English, yes. English. And 
it it's one of these things where you end up in a situation where you get to see how these characters move and survive and they're surviving this na- this bad world and then when they go to get help mm-hmm. they're turned away because of nationalist sentiments because they only want to mm-hmm. save pure japanese people and then thankfully uh spoiler alert those pure blood japanese folks who are only wanting to rescue japanese folks die a fiery death on yes. their boat that gets <laughs> that, that runs ashore so yeah. they get what they deserve <laughs> they did and i like i was like when the dude is just like yelling pure blood japanese only i'm like wow okay going here with it yep let's go there <laughs> yep. and it's and it is like one of those things where like as we watch like the different people we meet throughout the series, like the old guy that they meet at the store who Jango tries to kill them, but um Kunio, um, he like has this whole thing where he's just like super prejudiced against foreigners. Like he's very visibly um kind of prejudiced towards Kite. But then when he learns that Mari is also like a Filipina, he's like, Oh, you're a foreigner too. And it's just like Dude, now is not the time to like n- not accept help from other people. But it it does it's it's shining a light that there's this prejudice, um, about and like there's this nationalism where like people are blatantly racist to other yeah. groups. And I think like, and it's something that like people forget a lot too is just like the nationalism that comes from Japan is a holdover from uh, Japanese imperialism, which was really mm-hmm. bad, especially in other Asian countries. And it's, it's really cool to see it kind of, it, it's really cool to see it called out, but it's even cooler to see it as like very, um, very pushed back on, right? Like the only Mm -hmm. way Japan does, the only reason Japan comes back at the very end when we have our time jump isn't because of those people. It's because of everybody else. And they even make notes that like now after after everything, um, mm-hmm. the returning Japanese citizens have dual citizenships in other places and everything mm-hmm. like this. And so it kind of, it, it takes away the idea of Japan as a nation and reinforces it with just like the way somebody can be Japanese in, in, in other ways that isn't tied to that. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously not my lane, I'm not Japanese, but when I think of like attributing this to other ways that we view identity and how mm-hmm. we look at even American identity and the nationalism that we see here, it's right. a really powerful part of the story that shows that like that part doesn't, that part doesn't resurrect and that part doesn't win, um, right. which is, I, it, it's a really good commentary to have in, of, in, in a series that's pretty much just about the disaster and the survival. Right. Which let's get into that a little bit because I feel like this movie does take disaster genre like to a different level. Like this isn't like whatever that movie was with the rock. We're like, yeah, like same same idea. Bad things are happening everywhere and we literally see somebody get crushed by like rubble. Oh, um, San Andreas? Yes, San Andreas. Like I like I think that of, movie. I like it too, but like that one. Oh wait, no! I like Battle Los Angeles. I get those two mixed up all the time. Battle Los Angeles is the one with Aaron Eckhart and Aliens Uh, and Michelle Rodriguez. Continue. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I I think of like that's probably one of the last, or like you know, 2012, like those disaster movies where like yeah, no bad things are happening. But I don't know if it's just because in the year that we're in right now, and we feel and we are in a current pandemic, 
and there's just the realization of like bad things keep happening and it's not just that like bad things are only happening to this family it's like bad things are happening everywhere and it just rem- like you can't help like we said like you can't help but think about like what would your family do in that situation i think part of that right now is because we're in a pandemic and there are there are things that we like that we can't escape like we can have escapism like me like i i love watching anime to like decompress and not worry about all the terrible things going on in the world but this one in a way while i'm watching it it like i'm gonna do a, a bit of a skip here but like the ending of it is like the like the main message of it is like there is hope like you have to keep trying you have like you have to keep surviving you have to keep going and it's like that's the message she, the mom tells the kids when she you know we can get get into it now if you want to get into it but like the part about the mom's death but yeah go ahead when they're on the boat and they basically have decided like they it's caught on to something they're able to find it because like they get separated this is after like the whole nationalism Japanese people thing happened and the mom is like telling the kids hey I guess like the old the the son didn't know but the daughter knew and she tells him hey go I have a heart like condition and I have a battery that I use and my battery's almost up and she basically tells like tells them all this and it's her and she gives like these final words to them and like like why she named them the names that they have and like inspires them like I want you to keep living I want you to keep going forward I want like and it's just like why is she such a great mom it's such a powerful scene and it's such a powerful scene because like it shows that like it shows her as a mom because like it comes right before her final act which is like where like the boat they're on is stuck to something it's tied to something and it's Mm -hmm. so she's like I was a professional swimmer I'm the one who's gonna do it but she does it knowing that her heart can't keep up with it her battery's out she tells them that she's already having complications and so when and so we get to see that part of her where she will physically do anything for them but the other part that I really like is that scene where she tells them their names because it's another part of motherhood where like it's not just doing everything for your child it's teaching your child that they can do everything and they can push past and encouraging them to do that and setting them up to do that and their names and it, it it it's handled really well in the last episode where she talks about my name is Ayuma that's what my mom named me and it's because mm-hmm. I can keep moving and it it's one of those things like I think back to a lot of like the conversations I've had with my mom like my like when I was really young like I was in elementary school my mom had the conversation that you're gonna get told a not you're going to get told no a lot and you're not going to agree with it and you're going to not get what you deserve and you're going to, it's going to make you angry. And she had to have that conversation just because of how like the world, how she knew the world would treat me because it had treated her. But her main thing wasn't be angry at the world or stop. It was don't ever stop. When you feel angry, you take that anger and you channel it into doing something. You channel Mm -hmm. it into doing the thing they say that you can't do. You channel it into getting over the obstacle instead of quitting and letting it stop and letting it stop you. And it's a really powerful thing that I think, and, and I'm not, it's a powerful thing that like my dad is like that was like that in sports, but like with my mom, it was a much different thing. When my mom had yeah. that conversation with me, it was about life. It was just an understanding that 
she and she's told me before i think when i when i when i graduated college my mom was like i i'm i'm done with you now and the reason i'm done with you now is because you've shown me over the course of like these last 20 something years right i i did what i had to do as a mom like you are mm-hmm. overcoming the things that are near you and like my, that that to me she told me that then and then she told me when we bought our when we bought our condo and it was one of those things where like that's the most proud I can make my mom is to let her know that she did a good job and she raised somebody who doesn't quit. And I like, I, that's why I think this is probably one of the most powerful examples of motherhood that I've ever seen. And I think it's because I see so much of my mom in her. Um, Yeah. yeah. No, I mean like, yeah, I'm just like, it's fine you're making me teary-eyed because like we talk about like how like at this point me and you need a running list of like the things we have in common because it gets scary sometimes yeah <laughs> um but like ironically like I think one time I figured out like I was supposed to almost be born at the same day you were I was just born a month early yep. <laughs> but it's like also like very similar reasons like you said for your mom is like the reason why I see my mom and Mari also is just like my mom has this thing with me where she knows she, she knows how to motivate me by telling me I can't do something. Not that my mom actually, it's like this inside thing with us. Yeah. And it's like, because she instilled in me that like I was going to have to work harder, like as a black woman. And like, we've talked about this, like yeah. as women of color, we have to work harder to get what we deserve. And even then we're not getting what we truly deserve. And my mom has always instilled, like, it's this, like, reverse psychology thing for me. Like, she knows that I get motivated when people tell me I can't do things because that makes me work harder. And it's, like, hearing that speech that Mari gives to her children is just, like, it's just, it, 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 it summarizes up, like, why this anime put us through so much. Yeah. And it's because, like, life is going to be hard. Things are going to be burning everywhere. Things are going to get hard, but you have to keep moving forward. We can't all just stop and live in despair yeah. and and stay in the dark place. We have to keep striving forward to get to where we want to be. And you have to make your own future. Yeah. You have to you have to pave your own path. And you're right, like this is one of the best examples of motherhood because like she truly puts her children first every step of the way. Yeah. And it's like because she knows she's going to die sooner rather than later and she chooses that if I'm going to die, I'm going to do it by saving my children. And I can't say we see that. I mean, like, there's great examples of motherhood in media and everything, but it's just like I think this is just such a great example of motherhood. Yeah, and because I, I think I think what we usually get in media is the mom sacrificing herself for the kid, and we're like, right. oh yeah, she did what a mom's supposed to do. But right. I don't. What we don't get is a mom doing that after teaching her kid that they can do it themselves and I think that that that, that's the crux like that like maternal sacrifice is thrown everywhere Everywhere. and so like I was kind of like expecting it to happen Mm -hmm. but that conversation where it's like no it's not about my sacrifice here it's mm-hmm. about all the sacrifices that I made for you before this point that made you who you are. That's exactly. why I know that you guys can survive and I'm going to do this now mm-hmm. to just, you know, because she says a line like every, like uh, she swam her whole life for that moment. Like her entire yeah. life was to 
save her children. Yep. And it's just really powerful. And because like, so I kind of like how your mom tells you you can't do things. Whenever yeah. I complain to my mom about something, like from the from when I was little, my mom was like, you can quit. I was like, what? It's like, no, you can quit. I will never tell you to not quit. You can quit. Yeah. But think about what quitting is going to make you feel. Mm-hmm. My mom literally, and- <laughs> my mom literally I, I did not want to go to this basketball camp one time. And my mom got so mad at me. And I realized now, like, obviously, like probably a year later, I'm like, She's like, if you want to be better, you need to be able to stand on this cart with these other girls. I'm like 10. And mm-hmm. I just like, I don't want to be here. I'd rather be home and I'd rather just be watching cartoons. I don't want to be here. You didn't ask me if I wanted to be here. And I was just like, wow, I was a really fucking spoiled brat. My mom sacrificed for me to be here to get yep. better. And it's like halfway through the camp. And she's like, if you want to quit, be a quitter. Fine, you can't do it. And then that's like when it sparked in me of like, I can't quit because my mom made sacrifices for me to be Mm -hmm. here, to get better, to be a better, like to be a better athlete, to better myself. And if I quit, that's a slap in my mom's face. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And I think that this is something, I think that it's something that women of color feel and and, in like uh, people from immigrant communities feel like so much harder than -hmm. other people because like our moms are literally having, they're not just fighting the fight that they fought when they were, when they went through this, they're fighting it for us. And every time they see us struggle, they're going like, they have been where we were, even if we didn't do the same types of things. And I also think it's something that like uh, people from really poor, like low income families deal with too. Cause like, cause like it was the same thing with me. Like, I think I, like I went, Mine was soccer. I had begged to get to go into CYO soccer and it was co-ed because at that time we were all young enough to do it. Right. And my mom paid like 400 bucks for me to play CYO soccer. And I got knocked down by this boy and I was like, I'm not going to play anymore. Like, I can't do it. Like, they're bigger than me. This, I can't do this. And she's like, right. you can quit then. Quit. But when you quit you're going to pay me back those $400 because I did this for you to be better. And if you're not going to be better, then you can just work off the money. And it Mm -hmm. sounds harsh. And it's something that like, I hate seeing, and this is going off topic of like the, the anime, but like, I hate seeing these things online where it's like, normalize quitting, be okay. Like, and I'm just like, it's such a privileged idea that you can just quit because it's not right. like that for a lot of us. Like just like taking a day off. And then I'm not saying that people need to work themselves to the bone. Like, no, we need, we need to learn how There's to value our, our time and, yes. and self care. But we also have to realize like for people like us, we have to work Mm-hmm. harder and so quitting for us is just it's a bigger thing it knocks right. us back way farther much more I don't and I, and I I agree with that also because like there's a big difference between quitting and not trying or like except like you did everything you could do and then you failed at it you can learn from failure oh yeah that's the thing that that, that's the crux of it that's the crux of it because it's not because like for me my mom never like if I did something and I failed my mom never treated me like crap because of it she would tell me like you can do better how do we make sure that when you go back there you go better how how do we make sure that when you go back you get those extra seven points so that it's this but it was never about like there is (laughs) 
Quitting is saying, I can't do this before you even fail. Failing yes. is believing in yourself, doing it. And okay, you get knocked down, but you get up and you try again. And if you fail again, okay, what didn't work? How do I mm-hmm. change it? And like, there's this conflation of the two that is just like, I just think it's very telling of a person. Like for me personally. Right. Because like, I don't know. I, it. We can get into it. We will make that another episode because I think it will be awesome of just like an, like anime and failure. Exactly. Well, because that's something we see a lot in Shonen, right? Like yeah. Shonen isn't like, there are so many times our Shonen heroes, it's not about them quitting. It's about them getting their asses beat. Yep. And then learning how to come back from that. Bakugo getting captured by the League of Villains is probably one of the most pivotal moments for him as a character because it was the first time that he had to experience being a loser. He was the first time he realized that he could not protect himself and that he didn't fit into this larger, like, this this larger narrative that he had constructed for him. And that's important because it's mm-hmm. failure. But it's and not then he works quitting. harder. He that exactly. motivates him, and it's just you know what anime and failure. That's we're yeah, gonna we're that's gonna have that discussion. <laughs> and, and that and that's why Mari's like, I, I think that's why the theme of this anime just hits me so hard, is mm-hmm. because that's the entire thing. Because nobody quits. Nobody ever quits in this yeah. anime. They don't. You're right. And like, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, good. Um, cause like that's, I wanted to hit on the, like the last two characters and like their, I think their big sacrifices or like the big, the things that they did. Um, but like you have Haru and Kite and like, this is like, you know, basically the end of it. And it's like, there's this moment, like there's this rap session they all have, which I think I just need to probably listen to it in Japanese because I was kind of like, I don't feel it as hard, but okay. I get, I'm listening to the words that y'all are saying, but they kind of have this like come together. I'm like, yeah, you're all mad and this and that. Like talk, talk it out, wrap it out. So I'm like, I might have to listen to Japanese, but I, I that, think you have to because that that was the effect that I had from the Devil Man Cry Baby one. If you listen right. to Devil Man Cry Baby in English, it makes no fucking sense. It makes no sense. But if you listen to Japanese, you can feel like the actual like yeah feelings they're trying to convey. Mm-hmm. Um, but like it's after that moment because like everyone's like frustrated. People are dead. They feel like they're they're coming up with a plan to like you know, we got to do this. And so they make this plan to go get this research data from the doctor that basically predicted all these things. And like, again, it's not a MacGuffin, but it's like, it's, it's a, it's a plot point or plot device to tell the story. They need, it's this important data that they need to go get. Kite goes and gets it um, with, you know, and he goes into this I don't even want to explain how like it just I lines up where like how they know where things are located and how they get there so quickly. I'm not going to go into all of that because it's anime, but it's the moment where they're basically in the middle of nowhere on like this landmass of rocks and like these giant waves are coming and like the flash drive with the data that they need is there and it gets caught in this little nook in a rock and the guy Haru, you learned that Haru went through a depressive stage he wasn't. He was, I believe, an Olympic athlete, mm-hmm. or like they, people knew about him. Um, he's an example of failure. Yes, um, a great example of failure that we will make note of when we talk about him in that anime and failure episode. But he, he, he really digs himself out of his depression throughout this series. He's a background character, but he really does yeah. pull himself out of it. And he sacrifices himself for like, I'm fast enough. I can do it. I can go get it. 
and he goes and gets the flash drive and it's like it's it's that thing he does not quit he like and i love the scene of him running there and then running back and you hear like the flashback of the olympic stadium as he's running and like the commentary so powerful it's 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 hard because he because we get glimpses of it as the um what do you call it uh we get glimpses of understanding that there's much more for him to do and that he's working towards something and we don't really Mm -hmm. know what and one of those is when they're at the cult place and he's running and he's like still too slow still too slow and all that right and it's a really powerful piece because he times out when the next wave will come and it, it's crazy because he knows that if he hits this time, he can survive and make it across. Yeah. But he doesn't. And he gets washed away like right before. But he does succeed in that he gets the the microchip or the, the flash drive thing yeah. that is going to him um, that, that, that they needed to get. Then he throws it to Ayuma. And yeah. it's the moments, it, it's that moment where you also kind of realize too, like, for me, like sometimes what you give is enough, even if it is still uh, failing. Yeah. And it's really powerful. And like, that's it with is. the side character. And it's with the side character that really has no meat on his bones and nope. not like, not, not, not how he looks, but like has no like meat on his, ca- like he's not fleshed out as a character for like half the series. Yeah. No, no. um, it's not until he like starts, like when they get to the cult farm. Yeah. And he starts to really come back to himself. And I do think part of that is because Nanami's death kind of yeah. pushed him. Because Nanami, I think he thought her the big sister, whereas like Ayuma yeah. was jealous of him getting attention because I think he she likes him. Whatever, mm-hmm. it's nonsense. Um, but at the at the cult farm, he starts to like finding more of the drive to live and like pushing himself, not just to like, you know, following along to, with other people. He's actually contributing more. Yeah. Um, and then we have Kite. Who I'm just gonna say, really thought he was gonna pull a big move at first until we find out like what his sacrifice is and why he doesn't give up. Yeah, cause he just he straight up tells them like it's been fun, guys. Bye. Because <laughs> it's like they come full circle back to basically back to the place or near the place that they met him, and he finds his paraglider or whatever, and <laughs> he, unbeknownst to the children, he has a plan and it's like it's gotta work. I'll make it work. And he makes yeah. the make basically makes a rigged up paraglider to connect to the network but if he can get high enough and hold on to the thing. And he does it, but like watching him, like you realize it's cold as shit. That animation was fucking painful to watch. Because he's going through He's going through an, an airstream. You can see the frost forming on his hands. And he the way they animate his hands, he can't, like, close them. And yeah. so he reaches up with his face and grabs it with his mouth. And yep. there's something that happens, like, in that entire episode where every time he finds something or every time he succeeds, he just says, I was born lucky. And yep. I think that that's even more important now that I, now that I realize he's a trans character, too, because like it just showcases oh. how like no matter what like he just trusts that this is going to go well and he doesn't mm-hmm. even think about the second outcome 
And yeah. it, it has a lot to do with like also this mentality that you build up as somebody who does face adversity. It's like, I can't think about what happens if this doesn't work. It yeah. has to work and I'm going to make sure it does. And that's yeah. what Kite does. And it's why he's my baby and I love him so much. Just like literally shot. I mean, throughout the series, he like is he he slowly gets up to my favorite, but it's like this solidifies him being my favorite character. Yeah. Um, and I'm just so glad that he made it because like, girl, I was I was struggling because I was so struggling. I was so sad that he was gonna die because ultimately you end up and we didn't even cover all the major like things because there's a there's a few right. other big moments that happen as well. Right. But the ending, the the very last episode and the title of the episode is called Resurrection. And it's it, it's about what happens when they finally get that rescue after Kite um Kite is able to get the internet connection, which then locates uh rescuers via GPS mm-hmm. ping and they're able to save them. And then it fa- you see uh you see what each of them is going through a little bit and uh you must dumb ass went through places with two different, like, she worked in a hospital and she couldn't say, yo, my leg hurts. Look at my Not cut. Once. Disinfected. Which, I, which, again, we don't really have a time frame, but I'm going to say at least two weeks. At least two weeks. And she's walking around with this, like, and it's not like it's a it's a bearable scratch and it's healing. no. You literally have a gash on your leg. Ma'am, you got step. You can get sepsis walking around into toxic waters. Like, this is just like my background working in healthcare. The whole time I'm watching, like, that's a deep gash. I'm surprised she's still walking. I'm surprised she hasn't lost her leg yet. The whole time I'm just thinking, like, you're going to lose a leg. And, yeah, you worked at a hospital. And you not, not once did you ever say that, like, hey, I got this deep gash on my leg. Is it okay? Nope. Because I, I guess another way is like there's adrenaline that we could blame that on of like why she didn't like feel as much pain, but adrenaline not in every situation. Weeks. Yeah, I'm like right. in some of the other ones where it pushes her to run. Yeah, sure, but like you were literally in a hospital helping a bedridden man. Mm-hmm. You were essentially his nurse. Yeah. You like, ugh. yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. But um, persevering. I'll give her that. Yeah, you know, she she achieves her dream of like I don't I'm sure they say the time stamp of the year, but she is like competing in the Paralympics. Yeah, because it's and, in twenty it's in twenty twenty eight. So okay. because it's eight years after right. uh, that that's the flash forward, right? So and it's like it's powerful because like I love how we see go on the national team, and like it just like it really hits home because for it's esports. Like, oh, for esports, and it's just look at the little baby. And like again, Go wasn't my favorite, but Go at least was not a Yuma. Yeah, he was not a Yuma. But I, I think that the most powerful part for that last one is the first time you see Go in this aged up state is you see him at the bottom of a pool sitting, and the camera is far away, and it zo- and then they zoom into where the frame, the the screen is just mm-hmm. a close up of his face, and his dad had put staples in his eyebrow because yeah. of where it had broken, and he had left them in the whole time, and even had them after when he was home, and now that he's older, you see that he's actually got on his eyebrow pierced, and it's like this nice callback to everything else. I'm like, oh my god, this sweet baby boy. Yeah, he grew um, up. Yeah, and then Ayuma, 
after, I mean, because the because she does get sepsis, she does end up with a mm-hmm. bone infection, and they end up having to take her leg. And it's yeah. this moment where it could be because the last thing her mom asked her, not the last thing, but one of the things her mom asked her to do when she was supposed to go on a boat, which we then find out that boat was just filled with dead people being eaten by birds because that didn't that didn't go well. Yeah, um, her coach is dead on there. Yep, uh, was for her to never stop having fun and never stop. Uh, not to stop doing track and field no matter what. And so when you find out that her leg is going to be amputated, you think, oh, wow. You know, and a lot of that comes from like just how a lot of people who haven't had to deal with any sort of disability automatically sees it as disqualifying everything else. Um, But then it ends with this really triumphant, triumphant moment where you see, no, she's still competing and she's still doing what she loves. And that's when you have the monologue about what it means to uh, what it means to rise again. And I think that that's it's such it's such an amazing series Mm -hmm. that I do think is it hurts you watching it because of how bad the world is right now. Mm-hmm. But because of its themes, it very much feels like what we needed now. Um, I agree. It is definitely, I think it's the message that a lot of us needed now during this time. Yeah. Um, because as much as we feel like the world is burning and everything bad is happening all at once, I think and you can like this is just me personally as being like a black woman i feel like i have to hold on to hope like yeah. throughout my life like i don't and like going back to what you said like i don't feel like giving up is an option until nope. i've exploited all of my options until i've mm-hmm. tried my hardest i don't give up but like a big thing for my family you know growing up christian but like also with like the values my family has like really driven in us is that you have to keep trying as my dad yeah. says somebody's got to drive the car like mm-hmm. you, we don't all we don't get to stop and it's like it's the idea that we're striving towards something at the end like it will not always be this bad it will not always yeah. be terrible and like I like the message that like like you said like it right like Japan will rise again and yeah. like her rising again her brother like it's like the whole story it really is very inspirational it takes you through a lot of a feeling yes. but the core message of just like you have to keep moving yeah and I think that that's also something that like I mean again like I really identify with as well like it's kind of like if if I was okay with quitting and I didn't think that there was something to fight for I would not be where I am like And I think that that's something that people who, whether you're poor, whether you're a person of color, whether you're like, when you face those types of things in your life, mm-hmm. when you don't have the privilege to just sit down and not fight, because that mm-hmm. like very much, and I don't think it's something we talk about enough is that like being burnt out is a privilege sometimes, like being Ooh. able to say that you're burnt out is a privilege. Being able to say that you give up is a privilege because there are, there are so many people like us out there who that's that that can't be an option you don't get to quit exactly and so for me like seeing something like this it's seeing my own experiences my own my own identity and just seeing it really showcased and loved and lauded because like I'm not gonna lie like I hate a lot of the twitter quote-unquote discourse around self-care and 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 stuff because a lot of it goes 
a lot of it is driven by privileged white women, if, if we're completely honest, and a lot of it doesn't take into account the experience of, of people and specifically women like us. Um, and I, I just think seeing this type of series helps me feel like, okay, it is still okay to have this mentality. Yes. I just have a quick story that I have to add because like this literally reminds me. So I've told, I think I've mentioned on here, but you know the story, like I played basketball. I tore my ACL twice playing basketball. And my dream was to play in college. So like, I think that's another reason why this resonates with me is like seeing Ayumu at the end still like competing. But I distinctly remember my freshman year after I thought everything was fine, I tweaked my knee and I thought I was done. Like I would never play again. And I'm like coming back to my dorm, I'm on crutches. And this girl who I considered a friend at the time, she was a white girl, which again, it's not like we're not friends anymore because she's a white girl, it's because of what she said next. Yeah. And like, she sees me with my knee wrapped up in ice and like, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, like I'm already down. I already feel frustrated, I'm already angry. And then she says like, you should just quit. Yeah. And I snapped. I'm pretty sure I blacked out there, but I do remember, and I remember the saying, it's like, I don't get to quit. Yeah. I don't get to just quit. And I just like screamed and I cried and I like I went to my dorm room, but I just said like, I don't get to quit. I'm here on a scholarship. I'm here because I've worked hard. It is my dream to play in college because this is the way I will pay for school. So mm-hmm. I don't get to quit. And then like, she apologized later on, but I didn't, I just didn't see her at the same it time just shows, after that. Yeah. It shows a complete disrespect of who you are as a person. Yeah. And like that she doesn't understand that like me not playing is literally losing all the money that is getting me here right now. Yeah. And I had to explain that to her in a way like afterwards, like after I, after I had calmed down because I was so angry, but like I, she understood it. She's like, I'm sorry. That was very insensitive for me to say. And it's yeah. like, yeah, I could redshirt for a year, but my whole, I'm like, yeah, I can redshirt for a year and I can stay here and I won't lose my scholarship right now. But will yeah. I come back the next year? Will I keep my scholarship? Yeah. That was all I could think about. Like, am I done? Will I finish college? And like, yeah. she didn't even, it didn't connect for her. But like, you're yeah. right. Her mentality was, you could just quit and you don't have to play anymore. And your knee won't hurt anymore. I'm like, <laughs> in addition to the academic scholarship. I still, I like, I would not be able to be here without the athletic scholarship. Yeah. Like, I need both of these things to be here. So I don't, and that's like something I think I, I tell you, and I think that's like why our friendship is so strong. Like on days where we're frustrated, just like, we don't get to quit. Yeah. It's like that thing, like me telling myself that is just like, I don't get to quit, but like, that's what I'm going to push harder and like reach our goals. And mm. uh, I'm rambling now, but like this, this, this anime. This anime does a lot. lot. It does a lot. It does and a it, lot. it's good. It, 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 so it's really good and I want I want other people to to watch this and I want to hear what everybody thinks and I, I want to yes. see if those things that really resonated with us resonate with them as well yes oh so good all right I think we've said all that we can like we don't we haven't asked this question in a long time but Kate did they have to they did I needed this <laughs> we all needed I needed this. this so bad oh man Alrighty, well, you want to tell them where they can find us? Yes, you can find us on Twitter at DYHT underscore pod if you, and if you want to support our podcast community and our website, butwhythoughpodcast.com, you can head on over to patreon.com slash butwhythough, B-U-T-W-H-Y-T-H-O. There you will find our 10-minute mini podcast where we talk about really, really trashy manga um, for a dollar. So if you want to help support 
the our amazing network and our amazing community, head on over there. And you can find me personally at Omemeth Randier. And you can also find me personally on Twitter at L-A underscore N-E-Y underscore S-H-A. That's Lanisha. And with that, was Japan thinks 2020 is a message we all needed and we didn't know we needed this year? Um, well, you go watch Japan Sinks. If you do, pace yourselves. Please, please, please pace yourselves and watch a chaser. <laughs> go watch a whisker away after you watch this. And what? Will Kate and I watch next? Find out next time on Did You Have To. Bye. Did You Have To is co-produced by Kate Sanchez and Lanisha Campbell. Our intro is done by Dr. Emery Stephen Daniel. And our outro and intro music is by Benjamin Desat, a.k.a. Ben Sound.